Okay, we have another interview for you. I hope you guys are enjoying this because we definitely have. We're learning so much. It's not even funny. We've learned a lot. We're super excited. We have Rich on today. He is a travel PTA. Um, I know we had kind of previously talked about traveling PTAs in a previous episode, but he's going to give us an in-depth look. We had a lot of questions for him. Um, we still have many more. Yes, um, I'm sure we'll ask him But again. he is also available on the Discord. We're going to be talking about that a little bit more um, here well, coming up. But let's go ahead and jump into the interview and let's get started. All right, let's travel into it. The PTA Podcast with your hosts, Ken. And Laura, thanks again for joining for another exciting episode. All right, so we are on with Rich here. Thanks again for joining. We are so excited for this. I really am excited Pleasure. for this one. Um, I mean, I have <laughs> yeah. some. I have two actually. So we actually had an episode, um, I would say a couple months ago now, mm-hmm. on travel PTAs. So you're about to fact check me a little later mm-hmm. to see how much of that was correct. In all fairness, a lot of it was that it was an option. Well, true. <laughs> a lot of it's like, it's out there. It's out there. <laughs> but we know nothing about it. We don't know too much, but it's out there. Yeah. That's all right. I'm, I'm here. Yeah. For you, I'm and here so that's why resource. we wanted to bring you on is because of the fact that like definitely when you're going through school, like you don't realize that this is even like an option. No one really talks about it. you hear about outpatient, inpatient and like home health those are like the three areas yeah yeah, and And sniffs sniffs. and even with sniffs i put that in like inpatient like they wrap that into like acute Mm -hmm. uh, sniff uh, long-term hospital all that kind of stuff just kind of gets wrapped into that but like those are the three i would say you hear about all the time and as you kind of start to get in this field Mm -hmm. and definitely as me and ken has dived in deeper into this field as we've done this podcast we learn there's so much more out there like we did an episode that you can be an animal a rehab uh, therapist. And so, and we learned about hippo uh, not too long ago, which does not have to, again, do with, do with hippos, unfortunately. Yes, Ken was so sad. I was very do with horses and, tra- <laughs> and physical therapy. But like travel was one of the things too. And I think it's a great option for those who are definitely um, younger and, and early on. And so it's like getting that out there before you're too deep in the field, I feel like might be beneficial. So people know like, hey, this is something that that I can do. Um, so let's go ahead and dive into a little bit about you, though. Um, tell us a little That's bit about- That's what I was going to say. Your, right. ha, I was like, first, it. let's have him introduce himself. <laughs> yeah. Uh, let's go ahead and have you like tell <laughs> a little right bit about yourself, your background, how you kind of got into the field, um, how you became a PTA, all that good jazz. All right. It's like a, there's like a big <laughs> circular story here. But anyway, um, so physical therapy is a chapter two for me. It's actually a career change. Um, I went to college originally for business and marketing. So I graduated with a bachelor's degree in business management with a minor in marketing from Walsh College, which is a small business school okay. back home in okay. Michigan, mm-hmm. where I'm from originally. Um, so I worked in the corporate world for a few years and hated everything <laughs> about it. <laughs> it wasn't what it was meant to yeah. be. <laughs> No, like I I got a business degree because I didn't really know what else to get. I wasn't really sure what I wanted to do with myself, but I had the opportunity to go to school and have stuff paid for. And so I figured a business Mm -hmm. degree would be broad enough for me to do pretty much anything. So um, I realized that about halfway through my schooling, I I really didn't want to do it. But for the sake of being the first person in my family to graduate with a bachelor's degree, Mm -hmm. I wanted to finish it out. 
So that was like a big deal for me. So, so working in the corporate world, it just wasn't it for me. Um, I was working at a human resources firm at the time when I decided I needed to make a change. So I was looking stuff up on Google and I found, you know, PTA as an option. It was only two years with some prerequisites. Um, some of which I, you like either tested out of or had already done for my undergrad. So I didn't have to do quite as many. Um, and it was like, it's got a strong, you know, I have a strong exercise background already. So this is right up my alley. So my girlfriend at the time, I told her like one day I was at work, I was like, Hey, I think I'm going to go back to school for physical therapy. She was fully in support of it. Um, and then literally the day I made the decision, she, uh, I, I got called into my boss's office and they, they, um, wow. they laid me off that day. My job got outsourced to India. You're so like, a sign. I feel like that was kind of a sign. <laughs> it's the calling. The <laughs> yeah. I was like, all right, bet I'm making the right decision. So I, I, I enrolled in school, started taking prereqs and kind of went from there. So that's how I got into, into uh, you know, in the, into the PTA field. Um, I went to Macomb community college out here in Clinton township, nice. Michigan, back home. Um, graduated in 2019, so I've been a PTA now ah, for about three not years. Not a freshie. Um, <laughs> these guys, these guys are so no, fresh. No, I feel I'm like not, so I'm not totally new to the game. <laughs> um, so yeah, so I practiced. I, I worked at a couple of perm jobs back home. Uh, I've I've only got professional experience mm-hmm. in outpatient. Um, so I was a tech while I was in school, and so the company that I teched for once I graduated, they had a job waiting for me. Um, so I worked for them for a little over a year, almost like a year and a half, but, uh, mm-hmm. I got burnt out real fast. It was yeah. a patient mill yeah. kind of outpatient. <laughs> Very kind of, familiar with those. Yeah. So yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, the worst day I had was like, I think 23 yeah. patients in Ooh. a 10 hour day, like no lunch breaks, no time for documentation, that kind of thing. It was a real I think I maxed situation. out at 33 so, one time. Uh, and I was being in an eight hour day. Whew, Lord. I would have walked. I don't. I, I worked <laughs> into lunch and I worked overtime that day. Yeah, well, I I, yeah. I technically quit not too long after that, yeah, though, but so, <laughs> that's a whole other story. Right. So I left there and I went to work for a smaller, um, privately owned physical therapy clinic that only had two locations. Much better situation. Um, it was a great place. It was like a huge nice. warehouse space, all kind of cool stuff. So I was there for about a year until I decided to do travel therapy. Um, and then, you know, so I, I didn't leave with any like ill feelings towards them. I just had this new chapter in my life that I, you know, wanted to go forward with and they were fully in support of it. That's They're awesome. Really That's it, good. So. Like awesome. yeah, that you no realized, Hey, I need to change my settings. Like this just isn't meant for me. And I think we both me and Ken can fully relate yeah. because same thing you get out of school you look at the high load and you're like, sweet, this is going to be great. So much fun. And then you start working and you're like, this is not fun. <laughs> what I expected. And yeah, you just get burnt out. You get burnt out. And yeah. like, sometimes it can turn you off from I, the field in a way. And like, you're like, I'm just ready for a full that That's exactly what happened. I have definitely been there. Um, but how did you find yeah. travel therapy? Because it's not something like you just easy to come by in a way like you you either need to dig in nah. dive deep into looking in for it kind of hear about it maybe um we found it like i had to kind of heard about it before um that's how i knew about it. i brought it up to ken and ken was like what do you mean you can do travel therapy and i was like yeah you can be a travel pta <laughs> is that not like uh, like travel pt yeah. is like super common because yeah. you know you don't need anybody above mm-hmm. you but when it comes mm-hmm. to ptas it was kind of more of like right can it be done because you still need a supervising pt and then like each state has their own regulations and their own laws like do you have to take different um what is it called the jurisprudence like different tests like them 
Do you have to get mm-hmm. JP or does the mm-hmm. company cover that for like, it? Just... For each license, there's so, so, many, that, questions there's so many questions that we we'll dive into. Oh, but let's go ahead and start with how did yeah. you find it? Like, what made you? How did you find it? What made you say yes? This is the next chapter I wanted to go into, and all that kind of good stuff. So I had heard about it in school. It was mentioned just sort of in passing by our instructors when they were talking about like options for physical therapy careers, right? Because as we know, as PTAs, there's not a lot of upward Mm -hmm. movement. You know what I mean? Like you can become the director of rehab somewhere and that's pretty much it. Like if you finagle it right, like in uh, the company I used to work for, they're doing a a push for PTAs Mm -hmm. to become business owners, you know, as long as they have, you know, supervising PTs work for the yada yada. But there's not a lot of upward movement. So that was one of the things that they mentioned in school, but I didn't even think twice about it. Um, What drove me in that direction actually was um, the end of a relationship. So all through PTA school, that girlfriend that I mentioned before I was with, we were together for like six years. Um, The relationship ended and we split up. I moved out and life just got kind of monotonous for me. It was like, wake up, go to work, go to the gym, come home, play Call of Duty with the homies. And like, and you're like, and I'm bored now. (laughs) (laughs) I was, I was super bored. Like I just, just life wasn't, there was Mm -hmm. no like enjoyment, you know? So life wasn't colorful at all. I was looking at everything through like gray, you know, glasses. So, um, my, my brother, one of his best friends is actually a travel PT. And so he's, he's, he's like my little brother. Like they grew up in my house. So, um, he had been doing it since he graduated from PT school. He went straight from Mm -hmm. PT school to travel. So he had been all over the country, you know, Boston, Alabama, NorCal, SoCal, like all kinds of places. And he would always come back and tell us about it. So I always knew like it was kind of a thing. Um, but I didn't know as a PTA I could do it. So I did a little bit of research or whatever, um, came across some random PTA accounts on Instagram. And that's really what did it was finding out that there were PTAs out there traveling nice. and posting about it. Um, yeah. And so I don't know. Are, are you guys, um, do you know yep. Margie, yeah, not yeah, just yeah. a PTA? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yes. So Margie's been a big resource for me just in general. Um, so she actually introduced me to travel therapy mentors. Um, which is a, a great, you know, travel therapy resource. So she sent me the link. I went to their website, filled out some information, and then they got back to me within like a day. And honestly, within like a day, I started getting emails and phone wow. calls from recruiters. Um, yeah, so they they have connections with a bunch of different recruitment companies out there, uh, staffing companies or whatever. And so they're the ones that kind of pushed me in that direction uh, once I, you know, decided that's what I wanted to do. Um, my biggest motivation was just seeing places and going places Mm -hmm. that I had never been before. So, um, like I took my first contract in Oregon and I, for the life of me would never think of why I would want to go to Oregon. (laughs) What? Salem? Um, You don't want to go? So I took a contract out out Salem, Oregon, you know, or Portland, I guess Portland's bigger, but you know, Salem's, you know, yeah. Portland's 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 the place. Yeah. I will. I, uh, you're not thinking no, like no, Winston no. Salem. That's the other Salem. Salem. <laughs> Both Salem's aren't so great. But <laughs> yeah. um, I'm just kidding. No, <laughs> I actually I've, I've been to Salem, Oregon a few times. I had some some people <laughs> out there, but anyway. Um, so yeah, that's what kind of got me, you know, going in that direction. I literally like made the decision that I wanted to start traveling maybe in November. I reached out to the recruiters at the start of December or so, and within the month, I had already signed the contract. And you like was ready to go. And I left in January. So how does that go with like the license? Because you're, I'm sure your license so, was originally in Michigan, Michigan. Yeah. yeah. So I wanted Michigan. to say Maryland yeah. and I was like, yeah. wrong him, wrong him. <laughs> right. So, so for, for those who are going to see this, who don't know, um, 
there mm-hmm. are compact states uh, now, right? Just we learned have the about PC that compact, recently. Um, which, yeah, which means that if you're part of one of the compact states, you can go from compact state to compact state and transfer your license very easily. Like you really don't have to go yeah. through anything in order to do it. So you can practice in all of these places. Michigan, unfortunately, is not a compact state. Um, and so your home state has to be a compact state in order for you to have access to a compact license. So because of that, everywhere I go, I have to get a brand new license. Um, so the first process was getting my license in Oregon, which fortunately enough was the easiest. I heard some states are super easy. It's Um, just like here, pay your fee and you're good to go. Yes. (laughs) Oregon is super simple. They really like, they want you to come there. Because you have to take a jurisprudence exam, but it's they actually give you oh, the answers. Like so like, there's no way you could <laughs> fail. Like Nevada. <laughs> yeah, it's a take home yeah, test. You, you, you do it online, <laughs> and as so, so so this one's all online. And as you're doing it, you have like resource documents off to the left <laughs> in a little window, and you can look up stuff there. If you answer the question and it's wrong, it'll be like, oh, you got that one wrong. But look here, and you might be able to find the answer. <laughs> By the way, here's where you, you actually just need to find it. And so then, you just click it three. Yeah. And then you get you get a second chance to answer it. And if you answer it wrong, then they'll give you another chance. <laughs> they really just want you to pass. So Oregon was the breeze after all of my paperwork and everything was turned in. So um, for, for those that don't know, it's just like applying mm-hmm. for a license in your home state. You have to have your transcripts transferred. Um, you have to have your um, your FSBPT scores from your, you know, your licensure exam transferred. Um, some places require background checks and fingerprinting. Um, some places require drug testing. So those are the big things that have to get done. Um, but once all the information was in my, I got my Oregon license within mm-hmm. 24 hours. So like I finished putting everything in and getting my fingerprints done on a Tuesday. And by that following Wednesday, I had my Oregon license and I was good to go. Cause I was going to start my job. So the did week. you have to pay for that so out of pocket Oregon though? Was easy. or did the company help take care of that? For so you? I okay. pay everything up front. And then the staffing company reimburses oh, you okay. with your okay. first paycheck. So it's not bad. Um, it's just yeah. one of those things All up front is, and then you get reimbursed for it, no. which, hey, I'll take that. You get kind of yeah. like a free license out of it, I guess. <laughs> yeah. With with your staffing companies, you get reimbursement for travel and you get reimbursement for licensure stuff. And that's all written into your okay. contract. It's up to a certain amount. So all you have to do is provide your recruiter with receipts for whatever it costs to get your license done. And they'll, you know, they'll they'll put it in their system or whatever. And then if it's done on time in your first paycheck, so you, you have a Michigan license, Oregon license, where else? Virginia. Cause I'm assuming you're, you're in Virginia now, Mi- Michigan, Oregon, Maryland, and Virginia. Um, I had a California emergency license cause I did my last contract was in California. Um, California and North Carolina at the time were the only two States still doing mm. emergency licenses. And I applied for a real California license, but I failed their jurisprudence exam twice. Yeah. I heard so I theirs is brutal. At that point. Because there's this, like a full on like going hard, to school. It was it was harder than the licensure <laughs> exam. That's brutal. <laughs> it was it was literally harder than the licensure exam, and it was only fifty questions. So you know, yeah, no, there's is, there's I heard is uh, my mom's a PTA out there, and um, of course it was mm-hmm. years ago she took hers, but like now even just being in the field, mm-hmm. I've heard other people, and like to get it, you have to go in and you have to like take it in person, and it's like. Yep. It's yep. a proctored exam, exactly. just like the license exam. So for the the licenses that you have for different mm-hmm. states, do you have to pay a fee for each one? Or 
Yeah. Every time you apply, you have to pay a license, uh, an application fee, and then fees to get everything transferred. So like to get your scores transferred, it's like a hundred bucks to get your, you know, uh, all the other stuff transferred. It's like another hundred dollars here and there. So everything is paid for everywhere you go. That's so like that now do they pay, my last do they pay for you to upkeep them? Like, yeah. Like if so, you want to renew them. Yeah. To renew them or continue ed. So if you're going to do another contract in that same state with that same, uh, same company, then they'll help pay for renewal. But like, as, as far as CEUs go, that's mostly mm-hmm. your responsibility. Um, if you're with one recruiter, and this is different for every staffing company, but if you stick with one staffing company for long enough, yeah. there are more benefits. So if you do like three contracts in a row up to a certain number of hours, you can, um, you can qualify for PTO, you can qualify for like CEU reimbursement nice. and stuff like that. But I just went through like physicaltherapy.com and like, you know, registered for the year. And that's where I get most of my CEUs. Like I didn't even think about the CEUs. Like you have to make sure they're validated in each state that you're applying for. Oh, gosh. Yeah, so like, I didn't even think they, about that. Yeah. Whenever you do, whenever you do CEUs, like online, do the it'll tell you what states it's valid each one. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. So it's, sometimes it's just better to have more CEUs yeah. than you actually yeah. need. Like my, my thing with CEUs was, so in Michigan, we only need 24 hours of CEU credits um, to renew our license every two years. In Virginia, when applying by endorsement, they want you to have 15 hours for every year that you're licensed. So I had 24 hours of CEUs and I had to make up 21 hours of CEUs to get to 45 uh, within the span of about a week. So I sat at my computer for like a week and a half straight. Wait, so like you have to do like, so if you're out of school for three years, you have to do like Mm -hmm. you keep adding on like it's not like is it. I'm I'm so confused on like each year you have to do 45 or you just have to. Each, each, uh, no, no, okay, each year but you have, you have to, to have a total of the amount. Okay, yeah, I was yeah. like, dude, that would blow each year. Yeah. Okay, you get 45 <laughs> this year. Now next year you get 60. No. I'm yeah. like, F that. I'm out of here. <laughs> no, 15 for every year you've been licensed. Not, yeah, oh I feel God, like no, I'm out. I would never come back to Virginia if that was the case. Yeah, nobody would work here if that was the <laughs> so case. So I was like, oh, no. <laughs> no, no. So the good thing is, is like the redeeming quality about Virginia's license is that there's no jurisprudence oh, yeah. exam. Nice. So... As long as you have the CEUs and all that stuff, then you don't have to worry about taking the law exam. Yeah, so, like, our, our law take. exam is pretty much like it sounds mm-hmm. like Portland's. It was, I don't know if it changed when you took it, yeah. Ken, but like when I took it, it was literally when you picked up all the paperwork to fill out. Mm-hmm. It was literally a piece of paper that was, I think, like 20 questions, not very long. <laughs> and it was a take You had quiz. that, mm-hmm. and you also had the, the law, like the, the Nevada bylaws. In a paper, too. So you yeah, literally yeah, just yeah. went, okay, okay. <laughs> okay. And then you just turned it in when you turned <laughs> yeah, in your application, yeah. essentially. If you felt that. <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty sure we did that actually in school. Like, we took our jurisprudence exam in school as a group together yeah, and then, was, like, turned it all that, in. Those are my favorites. California sucks. I'm not going to lie on that yeah. one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. California was the worst. So Never going back there to work. Out ever. of all the places you've been, do you have, like, a favorite um, so far, Oregon, I'm absolutely in love with that state and it's amazing. It's beautiful. If you like the outdoors, like that's the place to be. Um, it's a hidden gem cause people don't talk about Oregon very much and all they know is Portland and everybody thinks Portland and hipsters and weird stuff and, mm-hmm. you know, uh, decriminalized <laughs> drugs and all that, but, but there's a lot more to Oregon than Portland. Um, you have, you know, you have beautiful coastlines, you have 
rivers and lakes. You have forests. There's desert there. There's the like, mountains. I mean, any kind of, you know, ecosystem. Yeah, any ecosystem you want, yeah. Oregon has it. And like the temperature varies from north to south. So if you go further north, closer to Washington, like Portland, that's where all the raininess and the cold and grayness is. But if you go further south, so I was in a place called Coos Bay, which is in the southern coast. And I got there in January and it was like 60 degrees. Wow. And it stayed that way until it got closer to spring. And then it went up to like the 70s. But like the temperature never fluctuates, you know, like really above 80 or, you know, below like 40 it stays really nice all year long, and it didn't rain very much either. Yeah, it was sounds like absolutely my type gorgeous. Of, um, weather of right there, yeah. Well, I said I always need to move to yeah, what is no, it? I, the I one in it. Twilight uh, Forks, Washington. Where, yeah, yeah, where they always it. say it's like yeah, the, it's the rainiest place on like the earth. That's where this redhead needs to go not to get sunburned. <laughs> yeah, it rains like a hundred and twenty yeah, something glorious. days of the year. Um, but like with that. that though, is like. So, for example, like Oregon, when I think of Oregon, I think cost of living. Like, it's high out there. Mm -hmm. um, we have family members that live out there. Like, rent is high. Definitely, if you're more in the city area, yeah. like you said, you know, if you're in, like, more Portland, yeah, you, it it's going to cost more. But in general, it is a higher cost of living out there. How does that work with your contract? Mm -hmm. Do they, you have a set price that no matter where you go? Or do they fluctuate for the cost of living? Yeah. Like, does that vary? So contracts are basically a set amount based on what's determined by the company that's looking for an employee and then your staffing company. So what's most likely to happen is the more rural places that you go, um, they're more willing to pay because they hire incentive to go to a place like that. So I got paid pretty well actually to go to this place in Oregon that I was because it was pretty rural. Um, whereas like if you go to a major city, like I, I looked at contracts down in, in Austin, Texas, for example, Austin is a huge major metropolitan area. Um, everybody wants to be there. They would have paid like $400 less a week mm. than what I was making in Oregon. So it's not so much cost of living dependent as it is uh, incentive yeah. to go to that place. Because like I made less money in California than I made in Oregon and California was even more expensive. Do than they Oregon pay was. for any of your housing? Do they help you with housing? So, yeah. So the way that pay works for travel is you have your hourly wages, which are actually cut severely compared to what you would have if you were working mm -hmm. uh, a permanent job. So like, let's say, for example, you're working perm somewhere and you're making $26 an hour, right? Um, when you travel, like my first travel contract, I think I was getting paid yeah. $14 an hour. But where you make your money is with tax-free housing stipends and tax-free. Yeah, see, that's what my brother says. And that's where yeah. you my brother's a travel money. nurse in yeah. California. So that's so why it works, it yeah, works the same way with them. The so same. basically, those are the three parts of your pay. Yeah, and you get paid weekly. So like they pay you this this housing stipend every week. So let's say it's like, I don't know, um, you know, like eight hundred something dollars, you know, for your housing stipend per week plus your your per diem, and then whatever your hourly wage is. In like one week's paycheck, you essentially can pay your rent off, and then the other three checks, you mm, pretty much just get the pocket. And yeah, and, the, and whatever you can find some yeah, cheap, but like if you, you can make find all your some money. cheap housing. Like I know he recently just took a contract, and he moved mm -hmm. into a place that literally is a back house that the lady only rents out to n travel nurses. It's literally like there's yeah, so there's, there's, there's like a whole, whole yeah. I was about to say there's like a whole network. site where it's for traveling. 
um, healthcare mm-hmm. workers that he founded on, and like you can rent and yeah. it's much cheaper. I mean, rent. I can get into that right now if you guys so, want me to. We might have to dive into that one a little bit later. We, we're, I'm sure we're gonna have Rich on for another <laughs> episode because uh, there's so much. Oh, I'm, I'm <laughs> yeah, like, I feel like we're just scratching the surface. <laughs> we're just scratching the surface. I feel like there, there's, I, there's I'm so lot. fascinated we with really it. Are. If I could convince my husband to do it, I'd probably do it. Well, that was actually Except one of my questions now that, now that Laura <laughs> brings it up with her husband. So, yeah. like, is there any advice mm-hmm. or, like, recommendations? Like, someone who does have, like, a significant other, like, family and kids, like, is travel still feasible for them? Or do you, like, do you shouldn't go? It all it all depends on your family situation, honestly. Like, I know some people that travel, um, they don't do it all year like I'm doing now, but they might take one contract a year, which means you're only away from your family for 13 weeks. So you do that, you bank a bunch of money and then you come home. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So I know some people that do it like that. Um, you know, and then it's kind of the equivalent to like, you know, traveling for work, or like being a military spouse where you're, you know, your, your significant other is gone for a little while and then they come home. Um, I know some people that travel with their significant other because their significant other is lucky enough to uh, work remotely. Okay. Right. So I had a coworker when I was in Oregon at one of the clinics who's, um, who's, you know, his fiance worked for, uh, they were from Montana. So she worked for the university of Montana in Bozeman, but she worked mostly remotely. So she traveled with him while he was doing PT stuff down there. She worked from home. And then when he got done with his contract, you know, they went back and she had to work on site for a couple weeks and then he picked up another travel contract and they up and left. So it really depends on your family situation. Now traveling with children, I think would probably be the most Mm -hmm. difficult thing. Um, just because, you know, picking up kids and going to a strange place is Mm -hmm. not easy, you know, unless they're like homeschooled or whatever, because you're only gone for 13 weeks at a time and, you know, kids don't like to, I mean, some of them won't even yeah. realize it, but you know, if there are so certain like you age, have to do it like when the baby that, so. baby would be the best, or if they're yeah. old enough that yeah. you can kind of like you're not needed almost all the time. Exactly, exactly. And then housing, housing. You know, since we mentioned it before, that's another you know thing that you have to look into when traveling is because it's easier to find places to live mm-hmm. if you're a solo traveler. But if you're traveling with pets, or you're traveling with kids, or a significant other. Um, some people aren't willing to rent to couples or families, or in which case you end up spending more money on housing, which might take away from the amount of money that you're actually saving. So it might not be financially yeah, so viable. Like the stipend right. won't so it change really depends if on your you tell you're traveling with your family and stuff like that. Nope. That's your nope. Own stays the same. You can negotiate your pay with like the travel company or whatever. You can say like, well, you know, can we ask them for this much more or maybe, you know, this much more an hour or whatever. And like, if you have a good recruiter, they'll go to bat for you, but there's no guarantees that, you know, you're going to get any more money from the company. So if you decide to travel with family and children and whatever, that's it's yeah. like she said, it's so your choice. you mentioned 13 weeks are all contracts, 13 weeks. Do you, yes. does it vary? Can you go almost like two weeks at a time or is it pretty much for longer stints? So a typical contract is 13 weeks. Um, basically what that does is it gives you like a week for mm-hmm. onboarding and training and then 12 weeks or the three months of, of actual work. Because anything shorter than that, it's hard to get into a groove, get someone really trained, and then establish like a patient base. Because you really want to, you know, in outpatient especially, you know, you develop that sort of relationship with patients over the course of mm-hmm. eight weeks or six mm-hmm. or however long they're around. Um, and it's it's just hard for, for consistency if they're only around for a short amount of time. Um, however, you do have the option to extend contracts so you can go for longer. And extensions can vary. So, for example, my contract in Oregon was originally 13 weeks, but I asked for a month-long extension. 
Um, and they, they granted me. So I stayed for nice. four months instead of three. Um, but you have the option to extend for, you know, a couple of weeks or, you know, a month or two months or a full length contract. It really depends on your relationship with the company that you're working for. And, you know, if you have the option to stay, sometimes you're just there to fill in um, an opening while they try and find a yeah, permanent person. Yeah, or if someone's person. out on like maternity and, uh, or something so, like that, paternity leave or something like that. Yeah, exactly. So if they, if they come back, they might not need you anymore. Or if they find a permanent employee while you're there, they may not need you to extend your contract. So there's a lot of variables that go into it but typically the length is 13 weeks with the can option they end of extension. your contract early yes they can as a matter of fact they can end your contract before Dang, even it starts. not even there you're about to fly out there <laughs> but, but yeah the no so the so the companies within like your contract they have the option to cancel it at any time um you can negotiate with your recruiter to have like a 30-day mm-hmm. cancellation notice if you're fortunate enough to have the company agree to it. So if they decide that they're going to cancel, they have to give you 30 days. That way you yeah. can kind yeah. of figure out what you're going to do next. But they, they have the ability to terminate you pretty much without warning. Um, so when I mentioned earlier that I had a Maryland license also, it's because I had signed on a contract for uh, a job in Hyattsville, Maryland, which is only like an hour away from where I am now. Um, signed a contract. Uh, signed a lease for housing, left a deposit, everything was ready to go. And this was like three weeks before I finished my contract in California. And then the week I was supposed to leave, uh, I got a phone call from my recruiter that morning who said, Hey, I got an email from the job in Maryland. They don't need you anymore. They canceled the contract. So we're going to have to find you something else. Yeah. So you're just kind of at their will. I was about to say, do you get will. reimbursed at all for those travel things that you already made for the contract? So like your deposit or something? So again, it depends okay. on the company. Yeah, it depends on the company and the recruiter. So, like, my recruiter is super cool. Like, shout out, shout out to Adam at Jackson Physical Therapy or Jackson <laughs> Therapy Park, excuse me. Um, but he he goes he goes to bat for me like all the time. Uh, I know that part of it is just him doing his job, but part mm-hmm. of it is him just yeah. being good at it. Um, so, like for this for the Maryland situation, um, I'm getting reimbursed for the licensure application and all that stuff that I put in, and I'm getting reimbursed for the um, awesome. deposit that oh, I put down awesome. on the housing situation. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah, so the recruiters, if you that's have a good, good one, they'll good take care know. of you. Yeah, because uh, I, I think those are all fears mm-hmm. that people would probably have uh, taking on some travel ones. Mm-hmm. As far as the assignments, Absolutely. choosing between inpatient, outpatient, SNF, LTAC, um, is it pretty much like open to whatever you mm-hmm. want or do you kind of have to like small list that you have to pick from? So again, um, it depends on, on the staffing company that you work for. So one thing that I will say that's very important and anybody who's watching this or listening to this, um, if you work with only one staffing company, you are doing yourself a disservice. Your, your recruiter will tell you that it's better just to work with one, but don't listen to them. They're just being a salesperson. Um, the fact of the matter is, is that every staffing company has a different list of jobs, right? And so some might have jobs available in areas where others don't. If I would have just stuck with one staffing company, I would have been stuck working in a sniff out in California instead of working in the outpatient clinic that I loved in Santa Cruz. So just keep that in mind. But um, like home health. Yeah. So pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. You can tell your recruiter basically like, hey, this is where I want to go. Um, show me what list of jobs that you have available. And they'll come back to you with a list of jobs and it'll be pretty much every setting. You know, they'll have um, another important thing for people to note with this podcast if you're a PTA, the majority of jobs available are going to be in sniffs. So if you're willing to suck it up and work in a sniff, cool. Um, if you don't want to work in a sniff, your availability of jobs is going to be limited. So keep that in mind. You have to be flexible on where you want to go. But you tell your recruiter, this is where I want to go. 
if you want to limit it to certain settings, you can tell them these are the only kind of settings I want to I want to look at. They'll come back with a list and you can say, all right, put me in for this job, this job, this job and this job. And if they like what they see on your resume, they'll call you for a phone interview and it kind of goes from there. Um, so, yeah, I, I do the same thing with like I usually work with about two to three recruiters at once just to get my you know, yeah. a view of like everything. more options you know in mean? a way. Now, yeah. yeah. Sorry. Oh, yeah. I was just like with that, like, um, oh my gosh, my question was right there and it went, bye bye. Okay. In that case, it's my turn. Um, <laughs> is there a minimum that you have to do with each recruiter? <laughs> like the, uh, as far yeah. as like number of contracts or anything? No, no, no. You can, you can jump from recruiter to recruiter every single contract. There is no obligation. Um, because you're essentially, you're a sale mm. for them, right? Like at the end of the day, working as a recruiter for a staffing company is still a sales job. So they're making commission Sending off of, you, out there. you know, okay. you working for whatever company. Exactly. So we're doing them as much mm-hmm. of a favor as they're doing us. So th- there's no obligation. Um, your loyalty lies within, you know, you basically and your own morals or whatever. But th- they understand how the game works. You know what I mean? They, especially the ones who have been doing it for a while. So like when I have a conversation with my recruiter, I said, yeah. So I talked to my other recruiter at this company, my other recruiter at this company, and I'm talking to you like, what do you guys got for me? Yada, yada, yada. So they know what's going on. But there is no obligation to working with just one. It's like they almost want to win your business, too. Yeah. Exactly. Like I said, at the end of the day, they're salespeople. Mm-hmm. So they're trying to pitch you because their paycheck relies on, on yeah, you. Yeah, getting, getting you signed on onto so. um, a, a contract. And exactly. with that, I remember my question now. Um, how competitive is it? <laughs> so like if you find you're like, oh, this job looks perfect. You apply for it. Is it super competitive mm-hmm. on certain ones? Um, I'm assuming probably outpatient might be more competitive because it's limited. Um mm-hmm. Or do you feel like it's pretty easy to find a location that you want? So in my experience, I I can't really say that I've had difficulty finding a job because every job that I've interviewed for minus maybe one, I got an offer from. And so like that sounds a little bragging, but like (laughs) that's just kind of the the reality of it. Um, Because there were some jobs I had to turn down actually because they were either in a location that I didn't want to be in or they weren't willing to work with my start and end times. Um, But so, you know, I can only speak anecdotally, but it hasn't been that difficult for me to find an opportunity as far as like the, the competitiveness is concerned. I don't know that many other um, like I asked the managers and like my recruiters and stuff like that, like how many other people were interviewed for the position. And I don't often hear too many. So it's, it sounds so like there, it has it, any... it, it all really depends on where you want to go. Yeah. I don't think there's as many travel PTAs as there are travel PTs. So I just don't yeah, think it's as competitive. In you know? a weird way. No, that's it, it. Well, it's great for, for people yeah. like me who actually are doing it. Cause I have exactly. less competition. It sounds to worry like about. it's, it's, if you don't have mm-hmm. one, that's just quite right. It's not like you're waiting forever to find the one that is, which is great. So, um, exactly. that is awesome. Mm-hmm. So I know we're kind of getting up there on time. I know we could probably go on and ask you for like six more oh, hours. Man, so like so nine more questions, questions we can ask, <laughs> but you guys, you guys can bring me back yeah, on for like five more definitely episodes. Definitely going to have to do that. But real quick, <laughs> let's go ahead and hear your favorite story from being a travel PTA. 
So I've told this story probably like a ton of times. So to give you guys a little bit of background, like I, I grew up, you know, like I'm a kid from the hood. I grew up in Pontiac, Michigan, um, which for those of you that don't know, it's a suburb of Detroit and it's basically like a smaller okay. version of Detroit. You know what I mean? Um, I, I, you know, we grew up in a, a low income household and single family home, you know what I'm saying? Raised by my mother who worked like two, three jobs. So as a kid, like I didn't travel. Mm-hmm like very much at all. You know, we had the occasional trip to back to New York city to visit family, like, and you know, things like that here and there, but like, we didn't really travel. We didn't leave the state a lot. Like our version of like a vacation was going to stay in a nice mm-hmm. hotel for a weekend. You know what I mean? Like that, that was like the, yeah. the highlight of our year sometimes. Yeah, exactly. So as an adult getting to travel across the country and see things that I've never seen before is absolutely amazing. And the, the, the most significant thing to me was when I was making my way out to Oregon. So I drove across the country. Really? I didn't fly. I took my car with me. Um, so I did the like 40 hour drive from Michigan to Oregon. When I got to Wyoming, um, I saw a mountain in person oh. for the first wow. time. Well, like, I don't know. Life. Like I grew up uh, yeah. in California. Yeah. So like I've seen mountains and I've seen beaches and that's just, yeah. it's, it's a weird concept. Michigan. But it's true. You know, yeah. Michigan, Indiana, Ohio, flat Illinois, grounds, it's right? all flat, right? It's it's just, it's, we don't have mountains. We have like ski resorts and stuff like that, but they're not real <laughs> mountains. And if you, if you go further up north to Michigan, you might see some. But so as I'm driving, you know, west on I-80 and I get to Wyoming and I see a mountain off in the distance. And this was the first time I had ever seen one. I felt this rush of like oh. unbridled joy and giddiness. I felt like a little kid and I was, I was literally on the verge of crying. Like my, my eyes welled up. And like, I just felt so incredibly blessed in that moment. Cause I'm like, I can't believe yeah. that I'm doing this. Like I'm a, I'm a, I'm a kid from Pontiac and I'm traveling across the country to do a job that I actually enjoy doing. And like, there's the feeling of elation in that moment. And that's the most like exciting thing for me is like getting to see all this stuff that, you know, I, I, otherwise I don't think I would have ever really, you know, seen and experienced. And like, so I'm just super that's grateful for awesome. the episode. That's, that's so awesome. cool. No, I'm jealous that. now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I get to go start my new job start, tomorrow. She's about to start applying for travel stuff. I know. I'm like, hmm, do I really? Do you guys need to? Do you really need me? <laughs> I'm like, right. thanks for the job. You thanks for the first for like day. But I, 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 I'm I found something now. better. <laughs> oh yeah, gosh. Um, but yeah, no. On that note, again, thank you so much for joining us. I am a hundred percent positive a we will have you on again, and we will dive even deeper into the travel because i'm sure this will (laughs) even bring up more questions um so if you have questions go ahead and reach out to us let us know what you guys would like to hear from him also i'm sure i haven't checked with him but i'm sure he's okay if you reach out to him on the pta uh source i got it right you got it right. You didn't say social that time. Always why. get it wrong. Every single time. But the PTA source, uh, check it out. It's a Discord server just for PTAs. Um, and that's actually where we met him and um, we've reached out to him. So who knows? You guys could be next on the podcast if you would like to share your experiences too. But don't forget to follow us on Instagram, Twitter, um, YouTube. We put some videos up there every other Saturday and then we're always posting new podcast new podcast on Tuesdays and Fridays so check us out there but I think that is it again thank you so much Rich and I'm yes thank you for thank you guys on. I appreciate Thanks. it I said it better my, uh, myself so <laughs> I got nothing to say I'm done I'm just 
I'm just chilling here, I guess. <laughs> All right. We'll catch you guys next time. Bye. The information in this video or podcast is not intended nor implied to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. All content, including text, graphics, images, and information contained in this video or podcast is for general information purposes only and does not replace your professors or a consultation from your own doctor or healthcare professional.